it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, almost, Jimmy Fallon. This is uh, Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. You know, Jimmy's got the got the big call tonight. He's going to be uh, hosting and leading Gutfeld uh, tonight and uh, doing some other things. So they called me up and said, hey, will you fill in for Jimmy? And I, I tried the wardrobe on. I, I don't know what it means when those clothes that I put on to... Phil, Jimmy's shoes were so tight, but, um, you know, I, I honored to do it. And by the way, um, happy Mount St. Helens Day. Oh, yeah, wasn't that the, the, the audio there was just amazing. Um, it, it was back on May 18th, back in 1980, with Mount St. Helens erupted. And so a little shout out to KHKO and KGTK, uh, the affiliates out there for this show, um, that was a big day. I was actually 13 years old. I was playing competitive soccer. I'd gone to Seattle, and we literally had a flight out that day. The plane took off, and you could see the Mount St. Helens erupting as the wind was kind of blowing it away. Our pilot dipped the wing. We could see Mount St. Helens exploding. It's hard to believe it was that long ago, but it happened on this day in 1980, and um, what an amazing, catastrophic event. I mean, it it was devastating for so many people. People lost their lives. It it changed everything we were doing out in the the West, Um, but happy Mount St. Helens Day. We got a lot of other explosions and things happening from New York City, from the debt deal to migrants to what's going on in the subways there in in uh, in New York City we got uh, important rulings on Twitter and Google coming out of the Supreme Court they have the FBI whistleblower hearings that were going on today led by by Congressman Jim Jordan so there is no shortage of material that's going on out there um and of course you have you know, the federal government now thinking that they should get rid of flavored milk in schools, that that's really, really a pressing item because heaven forbid that the kiddos have chocolate milk or strawberry milk as opposed to the plain white vanilla or whatever you want to call it, white milk, Um, you know, just trying to go and get rid of the flavored drinks there. Um, But I don't know what they're thinking about, but there's a lot happening out there. We got some good guests coming up. Uh, coming up uh, later is Andy McCarthy, uh, the former assistant U.S. attorney. He'll be joining us uh, later in this half hour uh, to talk about all things crazy with uh, the, the Durham report. And, and we'll probably get to some other things as well. But I got to tell you, one of the things that's really, really, um, I think, so important here that we continue to look forward is what was going on with this Durham report. Because... The infection that is within the FBI, within the Department of Justice, um, it, it, it's given pause to a lot of people who truly do believe that there's an unequal application of justice in this country. And, and, and the big arching thing, the thing that's really, I think, worrying to so many people 
is some of the most important institutions in our government, at least in the past, have been the Centers for Disease Control and the Department of Justice. And too many people, like major portions of our society, have lost trust and belief in them because they've earned it. So looking specifically at the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, I want to remind people, we not only have the Durham report, we now have the Mueller report, and we also have over a 1,000 pages from the Inspector General in two different reports talking about everything that is wrong at the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Now, remember, Director Ray was brought in to be an agent of change, and evidently he's not making these changes. They give lip service to say, Oh, yeah, we've made changes here at the Department of Justice. But is there any evidence that that's actually going on when Jim Jordan's holding hearings today on the weaponization of the federal government? And you've got whistleblowers out there saying, for instance, one of the FBI whistleblowers saying he was transferred to a new new part of the country to take on his job. And the very first day he gets there, he's suspended. They couldn't even get their clothes for their kids because they were locked in some FBI um, building or something. And they had to, like, beg neighbors and ask neighbors, hey, do you have coats to help us with our kids? Uh, Amazing hearing. It's still going on. We don't know the conclusion of all this. But you have a series of whistleblowers all coming up with the same story saying when we challenged the idea and the notion that, Maybe we were going overboard in weaponizing uh, the the Federal Bureau of Investigation. These people were summarily uh, targeted. Uh, Some lost their jobs. Some were pushed out. Some were suspended. Um, We're going to learn a lot more about that. But you go back and you point to what happened in the Durham report. This is so pivotal because there were key things in there, for instance, like Uh, field agents and offices that were pursuing the Clinton Foundation that were told to stand down. Andrew McCabe was part of that. Uh, James Comey uh, cited in the Durham report multiple times talking about, hey, we we shouldn't be pursuing the Clinton Foundation. Uh, it, It always seems, and this is the political pattern here, that people misuse their awesome police powers, right? We give, we give people these police powers, these special group to be as invasive as anything, and yet they abuse those invasive police powers. And there's not the checks and the balances. Um, I'm also a host of the Jason in the House podcast. And uh, this week, right now, if you go to Jason in the House, you can check out this podcast. I interviewed uh, Michael Horowitz, who's the Inspector General for the Department of, of Justice. Here, here's a mind-blowing thing most people don't understand. We have, it, we have 72 Inspector General. They have uh, more than 14,000 agents that they can work with. Uh, Michael Horowitz oversees more than 500 of these Inspector General to, to look at the 110,000 people there at the Department of Justice. You would think that the inspector general could go look where he wants to look and investigate what he needs to to investigate if there's any degree of suspicion um, and to make sure that the federal funds are being spent the way they're supposed to be spent. And certainly if somebody's abusing their power. Did you know that the inspector general is prohibited 
from investigating attorneys within the Department of Justice. Hands off. Can't do that. They came up with the Office of Professional Responsibility. See, an inspector general reports or was confirmed by the United States Senate after an appointment by the president of the United States. He can only be fired by the president of the United States. He doesn't report to the attorney general or the director of the FBI. He has autonomy to go in and do what he needs to do. But the Office of Professional Responsibility, who oversees the attorneys, that person is appointed by the the, uh, attorney general. They do have their performance evaluations and their pay raises and their pay and bonuses or whatever they might get done by the attorney general. So guess what? They're appointed by the same person. It's just, it makes absolutely no sense. There is such a conflict there for somebody who's supposed to be independent. But nevertheless, the, the inspector general puts out a report more than, uh, if something like a dozen people were recommended for either discipline or criminal prosecution. And the Department of Justice, guess what? They don't do anything. They didn't prosecute these people. They didn't try to prosecute these people that were recommended by Horowitz. And and it's just amazing to me, time and time again, you can read the quarterly report. They never do this. They never go after those people. So, you know, in the case of Kevin Kleinsmith, which was also mentioned in the Durham report, Kevin Kleinsmith is an attorney. He's working there um, with the FBI on this sensitive case. And what does he do? He forges these documents, changes them, alters them to in order to justify an invasive warrant. He's caught doing so. And they come up with this plea deal. And the plea deal is such that he has to serve like 400 hours of community service. He's on probation, which has already expired. And then his law license, you would think an attorney who's forging documents at the Federal Bureau of Investigation would lose his law license. Not this guy. He, no, these are Democrats. Are you kidding? They're not losing their, their law license. He's back able to work as a full-fledged attorney. And that's what I think is so frustrating. What I hear from people all across America talking about that they're so frustrated unequal application of justice, no consequences, people not losing their job, they get their full pension, they're not going to jail, they don't even get a reprimand. In fact, a lot of these people get book deals and they get television, you know, contracts. They don't even lose they don't lose their security clearances. Nothing happens. There's no consequence. And yet we have the Mueller report, we have the Durham report, we have the Inspector General all telling us that these people are doing things wrong. And abusing their powers, and life just continues on. Now, we want to hear from you. Uh, call us at 888-788-9910. is the, are the last four digits. 888-788-9910. We'd love to hear, hear from you. We're going to take uh, calls. We're going to have a good discussion today. I really do appreciate you joining us. And uh, coming up after the break, we're going to be bringing in Andy McCarthy, a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, is a Fox News contributor, and he knows a lot about this stuff. So stay with us. We'll be back with Andy McCarthy coming up next. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy today, and uh, we're pleased to have Andy McCarthy's joining us. Andy, you recognize that song, don't you? You're in the right age category. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like ancient. I probably remember Mozart's version of it. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, thanks for joining us on, on the line today. I want to obviously talk about uh, the Durham report in your now that it's kind of settled in a little bit, what are your kind of top line takeaways, concerns, having poured through the 308 pages that it is? Jason, I think on the upside, it's a very important um, supplement to the history. And it shows that uh, this really was something that was undertaken without any factual predication. There was no good faith evidence or no good faith inference that could be drawn from what they knew that there was a conspiracy of cooperation between Trump and Putin, uh, which is what they called it. So to the extent that Durham lays all that out, I think it's a very valuable report. What I'm disturbed by, I guess, is is two things. One is, um, you know, he basically draws the conclusion that the FBI uh, ignored evidence that it had that um, the intelligence community had derived from Russian intelligence that Hillary had this plan to smear Trump as a Russian uh, agent. And my reading of the the same evidence is that I think he's he's being too kind. I think you know what happened here is not that the FBI ignored this evidence, which they clearly were aware of. Uh, I, I think that they were intimidated by Clinton and decided that if her story was going to be that Trump was a a Russian asset, then that was going to be their operating assumption. So I think it's much more malevolent than that. And the other thing that bothers me is I thought that Durham was going to conclude that, um, you know, there's not really, when you're dealing with these high-level law enforcement officials who have a lot of discretion, it's very hard to prosecute them. And he does say that in a a number of places. But the other thing he says is there were crimes that were committed, like a fraud was committed on a United States court here. And what he's basically telling us at the end of four years is that he can't get to the bottom of it. Like he can't can't decide who it was that misled the court. uh, And therefore, that's going to go unpunished. That's a very different thing from saying that, you know, our laws just can't reach um, these actors. He's basically saying a crime was committed here. I just can't figure out like who we can who we can uh, nail on it. And if you can't hold these guys accountable, then I don't know where we're at with the FBI. Well, and I think that's a I think that's a deep concern, right? Is that somebody ultimately in, in area of responsibility had to sign these FISA? I mean, it it says you know verified. Um, why aren't those people held accountable? I mean, they get million-dollar book deals out of this, um, and it fits the the political narrative that you know most traditional media have, and so they get revered and and speaking deals and everything else instead of humiliated and shamed out of town. Yeah, I think that's a to me that's a big concern about our political culture. You know, when I look at something like this, I I just want to, if I can possibly tune that out and look at at it as just like a clinical law enforcement matter, what I'm, where I come out is 
he's not saying there was no crime here. There's just like like a lot of icky, abusive stuff. He is Durham is coming out quite clearly to my mind and saying there was a fraud on the United States court here. But what he says is like, you know, look, headquarters was like under the impression of, uh, you know, one view of the world because this is what they understood from what was being reported. The guys who were on the ground dealing with the actual in, informant witnesses had a different take. Um, it, it was not that they were, um, uh, you know, it's not that they were, weren't being straight with headquarters, but maybe they weren't. And then the two informant witnesses are Steele and Danchenko, and we couldn't talk to Steele because he's a British national, so he wouldn't cooperate with us. Right, and we right. couldn't talk to Danchenko, you know. So you get but, to the end, and what they're basically saying is we can't make the case, and I don't think that's going to be acceptable to people. Yeah, but where is the court in all this? Why do they just get a free pass? Like, yeah. you know, I'm just not aware. And again, I'm not an attorney, okay? I'm just looking at this as a layman here. But if you go to court and you lie to the court or produce a document that goes to that court, isn't it in case that most places – Somebody would be held accountable and in contempt of the court. Why isn't the court offended by having bogus documents put in front of them? Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think the court is offended, and you know. But they you, don't. They, there's no evidence that they're offended. Well, they did. Well, they, no, they required the FBI to give them like an extensive report, and it turned out that they, you know, showed that voluminous. There's a voluminous record of these guys making misstatements to the FBI. I mean, mis misstatements to the FISA court, which the FISA court did require them to, uh, you know, to provide all this information. And then they changed their procedures. Um, so I guess there's that. But the problem is they had changed their procedures after the last scandal we had. Right. And, right. You, know, the, you know, and at that point they said this will never happen again because we fixed the problem, and now we have an even bigger problem. So. I just don't think the system works. Well, and that's the deep concern. If you if you don't have people of integrity at some point in some place making tough decisions when you're given these awesome police powers, this is the consequence. Andy Amen. McCarthy, Fox News contributor, a former assistant U.S. attorney, thank you so much for joining us today on Jimmy's show. We'll be back. All right, it's so appropriate that we start with Hall & Oates because, you know, a great intro. I'm honored and thrilled to be filling in for Jimmy, and I really wanted to have a special guest join us, uh, somebody that, you know, was near and dear to my heart. And so I'm very pleased to have as a special guest on Fox Across America, Jimmy Failure. Hey, 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 and, I, and to piggyback off the Hall & Oates thing, I wanted to come on just to demonstrate that I'm not out of touch. If you yes. will. Yes, that nothing says you're in tune with America more than Hall and Oates. <laughs> well, by the way, you don't know this, Chaffetz, but Hall and Oates actually had to change their catalog. Maneater is now called Them Eater. <laughs> because they, you know, they don't get that's good you got to be political them eater isn't that funny it you're... just flows right <laughs> you're a rich they and you've gone too far it's so <laughs> dumb what a time to be alive chaffetz you know somebody could have a lot of fun just taking the hits right the mm -hmm. hits from the day and just digitally altering them and changing them so that they're 
they fit today's political now, wokeism. Now, now, little do you know, Jason Chaffetz, but the listeners of this show do know this. The regulars, we yes. actually have an album called Woke Rock. Where we actually, I'm not, they'll play it for you later in the show, maybe if you behave. Uh, we actually did it. We played like, you know, like American Woman by the Guess Who is now called Non Binary Woman. <laughs> non Binary Woman. <laughs> it's so, it is, it's, it's bonkers. It is bonkers. But so the listeners know, I am, uh, I'm filling in for Gutfeld. You might have mentioned that. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that. Oh. Um, I, I can't believe you, they gave you the keys to the kingdom. Stop but, it. This, I know, think, is like my... Don't f- crash the car. No, you don't worry about it. It's, uh, you listen, drove a cab. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's Gutfeld. At his height, it's a bumper car. Yeah. yeah. It's not a real car. You actually can <laughs> crash it. It's a lot of rubber around the sides. They actually want you to crash it in this instance. But uh, it's going to be a good one. Clay Travis is on. Michelle Tafoy is on. Kat is on. And uh, Rob Long, TV producer, did a lot of work over at NBC. Good buddy of Greg's. He's actually very funny. He's going to bust my chops the whole night, but that's good. I mean, that's what you want to do. You want to get in there and scrap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited for you. And uh, this is you and your element. This is like a perfect fit. So. Oh, yeah. It's like when you watch me on Gutfeld or if you come out to a stand-up gig, I always say this to the audience. Like you're going to a zoo and you're actually visiting the animal in like Habitat. You know, because that's what I come from. Live crowds, spilled drinks, broken glass, bachelorette parties, crying and the genitalia shaped straws at every, you know, it's not it's nuts. So for me like that, I I find Gutfeld, honestly, like guest hosting that show easier than any anything I do, because it's like the most, you know, it resembles what I come from the most, I guess. The only uh, the only way I could make it easier is if I was doing it behind the wheel. Yeah, that that would actually be, you know, taxi cab. Gutfeld at late at night. Hey, I got to ask you this: since you did drive for so long, this whole idea of Meghan Markle or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Meghan and Harry getting in this high-speed car chase that was going to do death-defying. You can't drive that fast in New York City. I don't try going cross town. Are you kidding me? No. How death defying could it be? You can walk faster. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no chance. Like in the in the city, like understand. There's construction on every avenue. There's a bus lane, a bike lane, and now there's restaurant seating in the middle of the row, cause, in the road, because that was a COVID thing. So, like, the left lane or the right lane of every block you go down, it now has seating. Like, it's actually, like, the no-smoking section of a restaurant. So you can't actually, like, high-speed in New York for real, Chaffetz would be, like— I don't know, 35 miles an hour if you were lucky, for real, before you ran into, like, the next bottleneck. And that's at any hour of the day. Like, if you drive here, it's one of my favorite things about driving here, is at midnight, at 2 a.m., 5 a.m., doesn't matter. You will be surrounded at every red light by a person who's clearly driving in the city for the first time, and they can't believe how bad it is. <laughs> but my favorite one uh, is, the, is to identify the person who's driving in the city for the last time. Meaning they've decided based on this experience, they're cursing out their wife. You know, we should have took the train, Marie. And that's, those are my favorite people to spot. But that happens at any hour of the day because it's bad. There's no way. And it's funny because the uh, kind of their official thing that they list is that there were bicyclists. And it's like, this is the thing. So how fast were you going if the bicyclist was keeping <laughs> up with It you? was so bad. This guy on a skateboard was coming after us. I'm like, come on, man. And here's the thing. Okay, they're clearly, when they said 12 people, okay, there were 12 vehicles chasing us. They're clearly just conflating the amount, just regular traffic on the road as all chasing them. 
You know what I mean? Right, right, like, right. Like when Rocky went jogging to this art, the steps of the Philadelphia Art Museum, yes, the whole town was clearly following them, you know, following Rocky. Like, that's right. the hook of the movie. Right. But Meghan and Harry think they're Rocky everywhere they go. They were on 57th Street, which, again, has 5,000 cars on it at any hour of the day. They weren't chasing them. They were just there, okay? They didn't even know it was them in the vehicle. You know, that's the hook. So, I listen, well, I find All the people trying to sell you weed are yeah. also after you. That that's just- But that's still a good sign because can I tell you something? Me and you are getting to an age where you walk through Times Square. You know those guys that are like, yo, man, Coke, smoke. You know, that, those right, guys? Right. You walk through at our age, they're like, yo, man, I got Rogaine. I got heat and pads. I'm like, wait, what? Hold on I got here. some Van Gay. What do I yeah, look like here? Come on. I thought I looked good. <laughs> Ah, oh, that is so funny, and it's so true. Okay, so I got an I got another run here for you. So the uh, FDA is, or somebody at the Department of Agriculture, I should say, mm. is looking at banning flavored milks mm. for schools. Is that that was on the top of my list when I ran for Congress? <laughs> and I'm glad they're finally addressing it. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I am. I loved chocolate milk as a kid in school. Love chocolate milk. I love regular sure. milk too because I was raised in a milk generation. You drank milk with your dinner when I was a kid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just what's absurd to me is that this comes from the same left wing ideology that wants kindergarten kids watching drag shows. You know, so you can't get a Come sip on, of chocolate kids. milk. Let's learn to twerk. Yeah, no chocolate know? milk, but we can give you a lap dance because <laughs> we're worried about your well-being. OK, I know you just had nap time. Now you wake up to a, a lap dance. We can't have that sweet chocolate milk, but a guy named Cinnabons is here to grind on you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like all the problems in the world, this is what they're going to go after. Shame on these people. It's so stupid. But you know what it is? It's like, you know, they say drunk on power. Like, this administration is plastered on power. Drunk on power is you're singing along off-key at the bar and you're hitting on women you probably shouldn't be. Plastered on power is you're shirtless standing on top of the bar, you know? And that's this government because they have absolutely crowbarred the government into everything we do. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I got another one here to ask you about. So evidently a man has been charged with stealing the red ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz. Is that true? I didn't. Even yes. He's, well, he's been charged with it. That's the <laughs> allegation. Now, this is a delicate one for me because I'm filling in for Gutfeld, and he, of course, led Dorothy down the yellow brick road uh, in the original. So, <laughs> careful. Yeah, I got to be. Yeah, I got to be, be careful. careful with the Munchkins. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to upset people. Uh, that's a funny one. Uh, that's a weird. Fe- that's a weird fetish. But should it surprise us when you hear those stories that women are making millions of dollars a month selling pictures of their feet on OnlyFans? This was only a matter of time. This this was only a matter of time. I'm surprised it's just one person. This seems like it would be a heist movie with multiple perverts involved. Yeah, I. You know, I got to tell you though, The Wizard of Oz. Truly, I think it was 1935. Mm -hmm. One of the callers will correct us. These are Googling it as we speak. For when it came out is simply one of the most awesome movies ever made because they didn't have all the all the CG and all the stuff that they have now that they can make Avatar and whatnot. They were talking 1930s, folks, that they come out with this movie. It's pretty amazing. Oh, and it's still timely today because the song If I Only Had a Brain is actually Biden's campaign song. (laughs) So, good night, everybody. Somebody Come oil on, them up. Of them. Let's just oil them up and get them out. Throw them out there. <laughs> you set them up, I'll knock them down. You don't scare me, Chaffetz. <laughs> it's like a morning shoot around. I love it.
All right. Can I, I if, if I have you for another moment, I yeah. gotta I gotta ask you about the subways. Now Ooh. you're up top driving the taxis, at least mm-hmm. you used to be. And um, but this whole case, this Daniel Penny case, I mean, the New York Times now has this have this amazing tweet that they've put out. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it's just kind of like, really? Yeah. Really? They're saying that they're questioning whether the the bystanders who were there watching, there was a report that one of them said, no, this guy's heroic for what Daniel Penny did in, in saving us because the guy was going nuts. On the other hand, now the New York Times has taken the position that the perhaps the other writers on the subway had an obligation to stop Daniel Penny. Oh, my gosh. We're going to charge them for murder, too. And is and let me guess, it, it, was it also racist on behalf of the black man who helped Daniel Penny take the guy down? That's the part of this that's so disingenuous. He was helped by a black guy in subduing him. But just so you know, the deal with Jordan Neely is he was a known dude, a known dude in the city. Like when I was driving a cab, obviously you've seen all the pictures of him as a Michael Jackson impersonator. Um, he really, around 2012, stopped wearing the red jacket and being Michael Jackson, but he used to walk up and down 42nd Street by the McDonald's, uh, hopped up on Lord knows what, just screaming at tourists. Like, he had become a known, like, if you were a cab driver and you drove day shifts, you'd see him every day. Like, he just walked up and down 42nd Street. So he was known as kind of like a violent, you know, screw-loose type of a situation. That's sad because we have a million of them here in the city. They don't do anything about it. But this idea for the New York Times writers or anybody like AOC that's been passing judgment on the situation, it's so easy to decide how you should act when you're a thousand miles away from the adrenaline and the fear of that situation. But when you get on the train underground, you can't go anywhere, okay? You're living in a city where 27 people have died on the subway this year. So you know they're not coming to save you if things go sideways. You understand? Right, right. And uh, it's such a helpless feeling. But once a day, if you ride the subway, you wind up on a car where there's a Jordan Neely walking up and down the car threatening to kill everybody or violently screaming at thin air. And you just hope they don't turn at you. You know what I'm saying? You keep your head down. The women have mace in their hands. And this idea that we're going to go after the, you know, the Daniel Pennies of the world instead of doing something about the Jordan Neelys is how all of this social justice garbage that works on emotion and not fact actually harms the people they purport to care about. It's like, do you remember when they yelled about defund the police because supposedly they were looking out for the black people? Well, the black people, the black community got the bill for defunding the police because their murder rate went up. You know, their crime rate went up because you're not supposed to have more empathy for the criminal, you know, than you are for the law-abiding citizen. And the sad reality with Jordan Neely is, yeah, he was a screwed-up person, and it does suck that that's what became of the guy, but that doesn't mean he should be prioritized over the people who are just on the train, you know, trying to get to work, trying to get to wherever they're going. And the last thing that no one talks about, Chaffetz, no one, okay, is probably 65 to 70 percent of the school kids in Manhattan go to school on the subway. So right now, as we speak and we're fighting about pretend racism, there are tens of thousands of kids on the subways with Jordan Neely's of the world that might snap on them at any second. And the idea that we wouldn't prioritize cleaning up the subway before we just had a fake racism crusade, I think, is so dumb. That's a good way to conclude. Yeah, and just a heavy dumb. ending. Heavy, it was a heavy ending. We had a lot just, of jokes, <laughs> some Wizard of Oz material. Like, things went on, and then we bashed Harry and Megan, and then we rounded it out. I was like Joe Clark from Lean On Me. 
Hey, we yeah. went from chocolate milk to, to chokeholds. It, it doesn't get any better than that. No. So. The, the FDA is going to ban this. It was too sweet. You are yeah. on tonight with Gutfeld, leading the band, leading the group, and we're all going to be watching. That's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get them. You're the best. I owe you big for this, Chavitz. <laughs> you do, and I will make sure you know it. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> all right. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. Each gem, the 20 gems that we are looking at, we have not made a final determination on all the gems, but that we are looking at are separate from the actual school buildings. Uh, they are independent from the school buildings. They're not in the buildings the schools are. And we have a order, a, almost an order of where we have to go as the crisis continues. Uh, this is one of the last places we want to look at. Uh, none of us are comfortable with have to t- having to take these drastic steps. Uh, this is uh, that was uh, Mayor Eric Adams uh, talking about the use of school gyms. Now, keep in mind with the uh, the huge, massive influx of illegal immigration into this country, um, literally millions of people, some of them, a small portion of them end up in New York City. And now New York City, which was a sanctuary, sanctuary city and a sanctuary state saying, oh, my goodness, we can't handle it. The, the numbers have become so large. And again, keep in mind, it's only a portion of it. Can you imagine how bad it is in Texas and Arizona and other places where they're getting the brunt of this. Suddenly now they're so overwhelmed and overflowing uh, with demand. They don't know what to do. Fifty percent, 50 percent of the hotels in New York City are housed with migrants. I mean, that's just an absolute stunning number. And, um, you know, what's that portent for the city and its services and the humanitarian crisis that the Biden-Harris administration created? They created this. This was a choice. They elected not to enforce the current law. And so the consequence is they have this huge, massive flow of people coming into this country illegally. And so what do they do? Some of them go to New York City. So now the mayor's solution is, hey, let's use school gyms. Let's use these other things. Let's use the hotels. Um, And he says, oh, it's not going to be a problem. It's, you know, it's a crisis. But, hey, a problem. This isn't going to be a problem. Well, let's go to cut 13 and hear from Sheldon Austin, who is a parent. The issue the parents have, first and foremost, is the safety of their kids. Second of all, is the safety of the families that may potentially stay in there. It's a gymnasium. It's not a hotel. It is not a shelter. It is not equipped. It is not equipped to house any human being for any long period of time. And yet this crisis continues. Again, I would argue that the crisis at the borders was created by the Biden-Harris administration. They, they, even before he took office, the borders will be open. The borders are open. We're going to stop building the wall. We're not going to do, have 
Title 42. You just come in here and you're going to be okay. You're going to get a court date. It'll be years in advance. Meanwhile, you can settle in, have babies. You get free health care, free schooling. Uh, we're going to give you a mobile phone. Um, and uh, by the way, we can get on these flights and these buses. We'll ship you wherever you want to go in this country. The United States is the greatest place. Just keep coming, folks. Um, and, yeah, we'll we'll have a couple flights and deport a few of you. But never mind the law, which says you must come in through a port of entry. If you're going to claim asylum and you don't come in through a port of entry, you are subject to detention, a fine, and deportation. That is the current law. But they don't do it. They do not do it. So the drug cartels, the coyotes that are running these these uh, people through, the human trafficking with the drugs and the fentanyl and everything else, the reason that they keep going through Eagle Pass and you see Bill Malusian and all these reporters down there showing us what's going on at the border, the reason that happens is by t- taking so many of the Border Patrol resources and putting them there, then they can run the drugs and other high-value targets, uh, high-value items in other areas. You know, the Biden said, oh, we're going to put 1,500 troops down on the border. They were there to process them and get them out faster. That was not to slow them down and, and put up a wall on the border. No, that was to let's process you and get you in faster, as fast as possible. And now New York City and other big cities are having to deal with it. Well, congratulations. You should have visited the border and you should demand that President Biden and Kamala Harris enforce the current law that's all you have to do is enforce the current law we'll be right back stay with us live from everywhere usa it's fox across america with jimmy Fallon. well almost jimmy Fallon. i'm jason chaffetz i'm filling in for jimmy because jimmy got the call to guest host for um craig gutfeld tonight on gutfeld so He's focused on that, and uh, I agreed to fill in for him. Big shoes to fill, uh, but having a lot of fun. Um, we got some good guests. We're going to start things off, talk with Tom Homan, uh, the former acting ICE director. We're also going to talk to Ben Klein, a Republican congressman representing Virginia's 6th District. Later on in the hour, we'll also talk to uh, Utah Congressman Chris Stewart, one of the most important people on the House Intelligence Committee. So we got a lot of good stuff to talk about and crazy stuff. As I like to say, I have a podcast. It's called Jason in the House. And as uh, we do a little segment there every time, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And so there's plenty of talking about. And particularly when it comes to immigration, uh, there is a lot of stupidness going on. So let's bring in uh, Tom Homan, former acting ICE director. He's a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Fox News contributor and all around good guy. Tom, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. You know, I've loved your passion and how much you care. You dedicated your career to, to uh, you know, working on the border issues and, um, you know, it's just driving me nuts because we just fail to enforce the current law. All these Democrats get out there and say, we need comprehensive immigration reform. No, we don't. We just have to enforce the current law, right? You're absolutely right. You think you're upset. How do you think I feel every morning? I worked for the Trump administration, and we created the most secure border in my lifetime. Uh, and, and it's not my opinion. The data proves it. Illegal immigration was down 85 percent decrease in illegal immigration, a 40, 45-year low, depending on what time frame you looked at. 
and this administration comes in. And un- look, I worked for six presidents, started with Ronald Reagan. Every president, including Clinton Obama, did, took some steps to secure the border because they understood you can't have national security on border security. But no one did more than Trump. Trump, Trump, it was amazing. But this is the first president in the history of this nation who came in office and unsecured the border on purpose. I mean, who the hell does yeah. that? So I'm upset every day when I wake up and see the numbers on the board and what they did to it. You know who we're failing? I, I've said this a lot. I said this when I was in Congress. I served eight and a half years in Congress. Uh, I believe it more heartily now than ever. We're failing the people that are trying to do it legally and lawfully. And most people, when you ask them and you say, how many people do come in legally and lawfully? I mean, we act as if we don't bring anybody into this country. But the number is north of a million people come in legally and lawfully. They come in through the front door. They do it the right way. And those people were failing because really what the administration with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are saying is, you're a sucker if you're doing that. Just come in through the, just walk, get across the river and you're good. Look, I agree 100%. First of all, on your first point, the laws are on the books. If we would just enforce laws on the book, we, we could take care of them. That's what Trump did. We ended catch and release. That's based on a federal statute that says if you're an arriving alien, you come across that border legally, the statute says you shall be detained. So Trump administration basically, you know, I remember the first, uh, I was on Air Force One with him two days after they appointed me as vice director, and his instructions to me, and this is word for it, Tom, I just want you to enforce the law and do what you're supposed to do. And that's all he said, and, and, and that's what we did. So you're right, if they would just enforce the laws on the books, we would solve a lot of the southern border crisis. But look, this administration... They ran on open borders. you got to give Biden credit. He kept his promise. They, they ran on open borders. That's what they have. They haven't done a single thing to slow the flow. And, and the devastation on the border, people need to understand, I've been around going around the country giving speeches. This isn't just about illegal immigration anymore. When you cause a crisis this big that's taking 70 80% of the agents off the line, that's why you have over 1,700 migrant deaths since he's been president. That's why you have 106,000 Americans dead from opioid, uh, from fentanyl that comes across the open border. That's why you have 203 known suspected terrorists arrested by the Border Patrol. That's why you have 1.7 million gotaways. That's why you have a record number of women and children being sex trafficked in the United States. When you open the border this much and you make it that vulnerable, it's become a national security issue. I've said this for the last six months. What's going on in the southern border right now is the biggest national security failure in this country since 9-11. I agree with you. But, you know, if you listen to Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz from Florida, you know, we need these people because we need to pick the lettuce. Uh, let's go to cut 16 and hear it in her words. When uh, Arizona did the same to uh, to their immigrants in their, in their state, he's going to devastate our economy. Tourism, construction, agriculture. I mean, you're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields. You're going to have construction sites that will lie dormant uh, or certainly will struggle to get workers to be able to, uh, to, to to help make sure that they can make progress. The tourism, is it, tourism and restaurant industry in particular, you know, rely on, the, on these workers. The rely on, that is so racist. Like, why are, what doesn't anybody call her out for how racist that is? Well, first of all, she's just, she probably, I won't say she's the dumbest congresswoman in history in the United States Congress. She runs, she runs number two, AOC's number one, but she's a close second. But look, if you and I would have said that, Jason, we'd be on the front page of every newspaper around calling us racist, white nationalists, whatever Well, they should. They should. That's my point. They say this all, they say this regularly, like, 
we need more illegal immigrants to do the work we don't want to do. Are you that is so offensive? They they even played politics worse than that, right? Under the Trump administration, we had two children die uh, in Border Patrol custody. When Border Patrol found they're in bad shape, and these men did everything they could to save these children, but two died. And you know, you had AOC down there, most of the squad. You had Congressman Castro from Texas. You had all these Democrats down there screaming and yelling about the humane treatment of of, of migrants by the by the Trump administration, and, and that was for two. Right, we're at 1,700 dead migrants in U.S. soil. They just two, two, two children just died in the past three days. And and what have you heard a single peep from the left side from the Democrats? Not a word. They act like they care about the health and safety of these people, but they simply don't. It's politics. Again, a record number of migrants have died. 1,700, just over 1,700. That is record by far, and not a word from the Democratic Party on this. Yeah, and then to hear what's going on in New York City and Chicago and all the, the stress on the services, and we, you know, um, the mayor complaining of, you know, having to use schools. 50% of the hotel space in New York City is being used by these immigrants. That, that's, that's a stunning service, uh, uh, unbelievable. But they were sanctuary cities. They're sanctuary states. But suddenly these people show up, and now how do they feel about it? Exactly. You know, under the Trump administration, we thought there was a federal lawsuit pending. Uh, DOJ was uh, uh, defending a case where we were going to sue the sanctuary city to take federal funding away. And within two weeks, the Biden administration, they shut down that lawsuit, told DOJ to withdraw it. Like, like I've said many times, they're going to New York anyways. They're just mad because they're being sent by a Republican governor. Well, why not go to New York? In New York City, you can get a driver's license. You can get a job. You can get... Funding, actual taxpayer money to help fight your immigration case. You can get health care benefits. I mean, who the hell would have wanted to go to New York City if you're really going in? So you're right. So what they should do, if they're really upset, is cause the board, call the borders are, Kamala Harris, and ask what the hell she's doing. Is she still looking for under, underlying causes of illegal immigration? Because if she is, she simply needs to walk down the hall to the Biden office. She'll find the underlying causes right there. So, you know, I'm glad the Democrat mayors are upset. I wish they'd take it a step further and demand the White House take action. Well, I, I just, you know, put microphones in front of these people that are coming across illegally and ask them why they come. I, I, I dare them to, to come. Dare I, just the, back pa- I just got back Mel Paso, Jason. I talked to a lot. They're coming for a job. They're coming for a better life. But unfortunately, that don't qualify as asylum. They're not escaping fear and persecution from a homeland because of the race, religion, and political affiliation. They're coming to the United States because the Biden administration invited them. They're coming to the United States because you see that thousands being released every day. They're coming to the United States because they say they don't see a single deportation flight sending anybody home. I, you know, I used to run ICE. I got a lot of friends with ICE. And, and, and the immigration court data says 9 out of 10 people claim asylum at the border never get relief from U.S. courts, they get order removal. So I asked Aisha today, I say, so out of this 9 out of 10 of these millions coming across, the 9 out of 10 that fail get removal, how many are you removing? That number is pretty close to zero because yeah. the secretary isn't letting ICE arrest them because the secretary has said being in the country illegally on his own is not enough for ICE to make an arrest. Yeah, it. It is disgusting that way because uh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But, you know, I'm sure that if you started to do the interviews, I would be fascinated to know how many of them said the reason I left is because of climate change. And, you know, if climate change is so unbelievably bad in Guatemala, 
um, you know, but climate change is happening in the United States. How does that solve your problems? It's just, it's just an, it's just a ridiculous notion that climate change is driving millions of people north. It's an well, invitation from the president and the vice president that's driving yeah. them north. Well, look, remember, they, first it was Trump's administration fought for getting the immigration system. Then it was climate change. Then it was seasonal. Uh, uh, then it was the latest one is the whole world is migrating. It's a, it's a, it's a world. It's a, right, right. A wide world catastrophe. No, the whole world is coming to the United States. Because of what the Biden administration has done, Border Patrol has arrested people from 171 countries. What is like 197 sovereign nations in the world? I, that, that changes all yeah. the time. But just about every country in the world is coming here. It's because of what this administration has done. But I got a word for these millions of people who enter the country where you violated laws. Ninety percent been ordered removed and not leaving. I got, I got a message for them. Don't get comfortable because in, in the next administration, we're going to look for you. We're going to arrest you and we're going to remove you. Well, that's what the law says. And uh, for all the Democrats who say, oh, we have to have comprehensive immigration reform. You know, it's funny because I was in Congress when the Democrats had the House and Senate and the presidency. And even after I left uh, the first uh, term, the first two years of Joe Biden, they had the House and Senate and the presidency. And they didn't even introduce, let alone pass a piece of legislation that would do that they're now demanding that the Republicans do right now. So, you know, if you're going to take your high horse and say, well, it's a congressional problem, then introduce a bill and get behind it and be united on it. But no, they would never do that. Last clip I want to play for you real quick is uh, this clip 15 from Mayor Eric Adams. But we're not getting the support that we deserve here in New York City. People are coming through the bordering states, but they're ending up in New York and New York City, Chicago and other uh, northern cities. It's clear that the blueprint has become that send migrants to these big cities in the north, particularly uh, to New York City, and it has overwhelmed our services. Every service in our city is going to be impacted by this action. I, I have no doubt, Tom, that that's true. But it's probably also true in every other corner of the United States of America, particularly in the border states. Yeah, absolutely. Eric Adams, I'll go down to El Paso where I was last week. I'm walking around the streets. There's literally thousands of them just walking around the street. And I walk around the corner of the hotel, and there's actually one defecating in the parking lot next to the hotel. The, you know, it, so what, the, 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 the ramifications for these border towns is immense. If he's dealing with, what, maybe a 3% increase, you ought to go to the border town and see what's happening to them. The border hospitals, like Yuma Hospital and El Paso Hospital, where the maternity wards were full of people who are illegally giving birth to future U.S. citizen children. Meanwhile, U.S. citizen taxpayers had to drive an hour and a half to deliver their baby. So maybe he ought to spend a few minutes on the southern border. And again, call the White House. They can change this tomorrow. Let me say this. They could change this tomorrow. All they got to do is re-implement the Remain in Mexico program. The, the federal courts has already said it's legal. You want to secure the border? You want people to still claim asylum? They can wait in Mexico for that? Start with the Remain in Mexico tomorrow, and you, you would solve 85% of this problem. Amen to that. Tom Homan, former acting ICE director, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, Fox News contributor. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. We'll be right back. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. 
All right, joining us now is Ben Klein. He's the congressman from Virginia's 6th Congressional District uh, there in the House of Representatives. Uh, congressman, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Jason, great to be with you. Hey, I appreciate it. Now, you've got a unique history in that you used to work for Bob Goodlatte. Uh, you, my understanding is you were like a legislative aide. You rose up to be chief of staff. Then you went, and now you're the congressman, right? Absolutely. He's a mentor and a friend and, and represented the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia for many years and, and now um, doing my best to take the views of the people to the swamp. Hey, I, I, I called him chairman because he was chairman of the judiciary and I was on the judiciary and he's a good man, good family and uh, really enjoyed serving with him. But since you went from staffer to actually being the member of Congress, what's different? Like what? Even though you saw, I mean, chief of staff offices are fairly small. You get to know, see, you get, you have a really solid understanding of what happens. But now that you actually are sitting in the big seat, how is it different? Well, I was there with Goodlatte back in the '90s and late '90s. You know, the internet was fledgling, and and there right. wasn't social media. It was much more traditional and and there was a lot more bipartisanship because the southern democrats were there were southern democrats and they were more conservative and there were a lot of northeastern moderate liberals so there was a lot of crossover there but now um you know i i laugh because i i don't call myself a, a, a you know a conspiracy theorist a black helicopter kind of kind of uh person but when i see what's coming out of the fbi and the ridiculous uh behavior of these agents like Peter Strzok, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta start to wonder because a lot of the stuff that people were claiming back before I even got into Congress, uh, back when you were in the house, uh, th- these things are, are actually being proven true. So what, what can you do about it? I mean, there is a major systemic problem. It's manifest itself or it's, it's revealed in the Durham report. I, I point back to the two reports issued, um, by the inspector general at the department of justice, Michael Horowitz over a thousand pages talking about the problems at the FBI. But now what do you do with it? Well, we've got three tools at our disposal. The first is one you're, you're familiar with the power of the purse and I'm on appropriations on CJS sub. So uh, we're, we're writing the um, funding for the FBI and the ATF and the department of justice. And you better believe there's going to be a cut involved and it's going to be severe and it's going to have uh, the remaining money is going to have a lot of uh, language attached to it, restraining uh, the activities there. But then we've also got the authorizing side and you said you were on judiciary. So you understand uh, FISA, the, the warrant process for that they used and abused for spying on Trump and his campaign and, and used to, uh, weaponize the government against conservatives across the country, just average citizens. Um, you know, FISA has to be reauthorized this fall. And there's a question: Do we let Section 302B, which involves this uh, this court, uh, which is behind closed doors and nobody knows yeah. what happens in the court, does it get reauthorized or does it get uh, allowed to expire? Uh, there are someone in the Freedom Caucus with me who want it to expire. There are some who want to reauthorize it but make it really tight and only apply to foreign terrorists. And then the third thing we put in, since you've been in, we've added a, uh, something called the Gephardt Rule, where you can line item 
delete any bureaucrat salary. Uh, and so, you know, I know people are going to be going after Christopher Ray's salary. We're going to have a hopefully have a, have a vote on whether or not to continue with his salary and, and a number of others who are in the uh, bureaucracy there who have, uh, in our view, allowed these horrible things to happen to the American people. Well, I, I'm glad you're there. Congressman Ben Klein from Virginia's 6th District, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. I wish I had more time with you, but thanks for your service, and thanks uh, for joining us on the show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy's going to be hosting Gutfeld tonight on Fox News. Hope you get a chance to to watch that. So I'm filling in every issues here on Fox Across America. i uh, got a great guest coming up here. Just hold on one second, but I want to give out the call-in number because uh, we're going to try to take some calls before the end of the hour. Um, my number, the, the number for Fox Across America, 888 788 9910-788-9910. So dial that number, and I'll try to get to your calls. But first, I want to bring up uh, somebody that I served with in the Congress, somebody who I consider a friend, quite frankly, uh, Chris Stewart, who represents uh, Utah's 2nd Congressional District in the House of Representatives on the Intel Committee, House Appropriations Committee member, all-around good guy, an amazing Air Force pilot, Congressman Chris Stewart. Hey, thank you, Jason. Always, always great to be with you. So great trivia question about Chris Stewart is he holds a world record. Tell us about the world record. Oh, my gosh. That's so much more fun to talk about than politics. <laughs> so thank, thanks for that. Uh, so uh, when I was in the military, I served for 14 years. I flew combat rescue helicopters, but uh, then I also flew the B-1. And I, I won't take long to do this, Jason. I know it's not the primary thing you want to talk about, but uh, very quickly, we're flying these long-distance bombing practice missions from you know the United States over to the Middle East. Practice bomb runs, come back home. Uh, you know, these would take maybe 17, 20 hours. Uh, we're preparing for one of these missions, and I just kind of said to the to the guys, "Hey, you know, we're about a third of the way around the world. What if what if we just kept going?" And that kind of was the start of what you know, was months of preparation as we wanted to demonstrate the B-1 could go anywhere in the world, drop weapons, come back home. So uh, we did. We flew around the world, uh, dropped weapons on three different ranges, carried bombs with them, dropped them on ranges around the world. Every bomb hit their target plus or minus one second throughout the entire mission, uh, came back to the United States and landed. And in the course of doing that, we, we set the fastest nonstop flight around the world. Amazing feat and uh, great, uh, great part of your. Thanks you for your service. Let me just put it that way. Thank you for your service in the Air Force. Now serving in Congress on the Intel Committee, um, a pivotal role, person behind the scenes who's making a lot of things happen. And I know you're keenly aware. I'm, I'm certainly keenly aware in looking at the results of this Durham investigation. But you know what? One of our our colleagues. Um, Adam Schiff, he's pretty sad about this, um, really doesn't believe that it was, you know, the right thing to do. Uh, let's go to cut two and hear Adam Schiff complain about the Durham report. The Durham investigation, and again, this was an investigation Donald Trump demanded, an investigation of the investigators. Bill Barr was only happy enough to comply by the appointment of Durham. 
Durham spends four years trying to prove this deep state conspiracy theory that uh, Trump kept, uh, you know, telling his base was going to be proven, and people like uh, Brennan and Pelosi and Schiff and others were going to be prosecuted. The whole thing, of course, was a big bust. And now he's out there uh, fundraising against it, uh, saying, oh, they're coming after me. Um, yeah, they should be coming after him because the guy lied for years. He said he saw with his own eyes, he and Eric Swalwell saw the evidence. It was crystal clear. And now Durham's coming out saying no, there was never any evidence. Yeah, well, Jason, who cares what Adam Schiff says now? I mean, who pays any attention to this other than maybe he's running, obviously, for the Senate in California and a few people out in California. But he's lost his credibility on this years ago because, you know, the one thing Adam Schiff will be remembered for, and and it's unfortunate, but it's true. The one thing he will be remembered for is that he was a liar, that he lied to the American people again and again and again for years and years. And it wasn't just that he was wrong. It's not that he made a mistake, you know, he didn't miscalculate and go, well, you know, I saw this and it just, just, no, he knew what he was saying wasn't true. And by the way, Jason, you know this, I mean, those of us who sat on the intelligence committee at the time, those of us who were conducting the Russian investigation and then the first impeachment and then the second impeachment, we knew that he was lying. And we told people, we told the media, you guys are being duped. You guys are being strung along. You are listening to and believing a liar without any evidence. But see, that's why Adam could do that, because he could allude to, well, you know, we see the evidence down on the intel committee. But and he even said, well, I, I can't really talk about it. Well, the reason he couldn't talk about it was because it didn't exist. And he knew it didn't exist. So Adam can say what he wants about the Durham investigation. But Durham concluded the same thing that Mueller did and the same thing that the IG uh uh, FBI IG did, and that is that Director Comey and McCabe and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and a whole bunch of other malicious, dishonest, unprofessional FBI agents lied to and deceived the American people. But we've known that for, uh, well, for years now. Well, they were given awesome police powers to invasively look um, and protect us. Instead, they used it for a partisan ploy, and there was no um, better accomplice to their mission than Adam Schiff, who went breathlessly on countless shows again and again and again, repeating these lies. And I've never heard him own up to it. I've never heard him apologize. And certainly these media outlets, where in the world are they? Why are they not putting his, his picture on the front page, just calling him a liar, Lay, laying it out that they were duped by this this uh, this person who was misleading them every single step of the way. And it was, again, it affected an election. And yeah. I I don't understand. You know, a lot of people don't understand why you, there aren't handcuffs out on some of these people. There aren't prosecutions. But I guess where I also come down to, like, at the very least, why do these people still have a security clearance? Like, yeah. I don't well, understand or- that. I, I really don't understand that. Well, you've hit on a, a couple of things. Let me try to respond to him if I could. Number one is Adam Schiff is never going to admit he lied. And part of the reason he won't have to is because the media will continue to cover for him. I mean, even just this week, the Washington Post and the New York Times have both said they wouldn't return the Pulitzers based on the fact that their reporting for years was absolutely maliciously dishonest. They 
knew that it was dishonest, but they're not going to return their Pulitzers, and they completely discount the, the Durham report. So Adam doesn't have to ever held be, be held accountable because the media will cover for him. But, right. Jason, one other thing, and that is, I, I, in addition to the other committees, I also sit on the weaponization of the Federal Government Committee. We just left a hearing with Jim Jordan about these FBI whistleblowers. These brave men had the courage to come forward and to tell the truth, to tell the American people, this is what your FBI is doing. And the FBI immediately retaliated against them. This is shocking. you got to listen to this. This is shocking. They suspend their security clearance. They don't fire them. They just suspend their security clearance. Well, what that means is they're not getting paid, but it also means they can't get another job. They literally cannot get another job because they're technically still employees of the FBI. So the FBI cuts their pay. Cuts them off completely from any other source of income. And these proud men, I mean, this, this man who was a, a, a Army veteran, multiple tours in Vietnam, and he's in tears describing how he has to rely on charity because of FBI retaliation against him for telling what the FBI is doing leaves him virtually penniless. That's the kind of thing that, that the, the weaponization of the federal government leads to when we give, as you said, Jason, you give these organizations incredible power, and if you don't hold them accountable and provide oversight over them. So the the big question is, okay, so what do you do? I mean, there is a major systemic problem, um, top to bottom. And, uh, you know, I used to say, oh, it's just one or two people. I don't believe that anymore. I, I believe that it is much more widespread uh, than initially I was hoping it was going to be. But the American people, they've lost trust in the CDC, right? The Centers for Disease Control, based on what we went through with COVID and all the lying and all the different you know, iterations of, of Fauci and whatnot. And now the Federal Bureau of Investigation, where clearly there is a, such a partisan bent that the rules are different between the political parties. How do we gain that back? How do we, how do we make the changes, particularly to the Federal Bureau of Investigation? So it's no longer a, a, a weapon, but it is actually the administration of justice. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be easy. It can be done. And I'm exactly as you described uh, you are, Jason. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, when when we first saw James Comey and these others and we thought, okay, it's just leadership. It's just these malicious, incompetent, dishonest leaders. But then you find out it's not. It goes much deeper than that. The the individuals who are retaliating against these FBI whistleblowers aren't Washington, D.C. In some cases, it's their local leadership. And it makes you wonder, well, how deep does this go? But then, okay, so how do we change it? The first thing you have to do is change the leadership. The culture of the FBI is never going to change under Christopher Wray. He doesn't go to these people who retaliate against whistleblowers and say, and, and fire them. And then hold a press conference and tell the American people, I fired the people who retaliated against people who were just telling the truth. Instead, Christopher Wray protects them and denies that it's happening. But the second thing, and this is the more immediate tool, because we both know that President Biden is never going to fire Christopher Wray. I mean, he's his primary line of defense. But the one thing we can do now, Jason, and you you will appreciate this from the time that you served in Congress, we have to reauthorize FISA. We have to reauthorize 702 now. This, we have to do that this year. And that's going to be the vehicle where we can force reforms on the FBI. And I don't mean, I don't mean tickle around the edges. I mean deep, deep, meaningful reforms 
among the FBI, including finally and obviously attaching criminal penalties, which didn't exist up to this point. They don't exist that someone could lie to the FISA court, and incredibly, that's not a that's not a crime. They can't uh, do as uh, Christopher Ray or and Director Comey and others obstruct investigations of Congress. We have to attach a criminal element to that, and FISA reform is going to be the vehicle where we think we're going to be able to compel some of those changes. Yeah, unless Congress actually stands up for itself. They need to be able to enforce a subpoena. They they can't now. They have to rely on the Department of Justice to issue a, a subpoena on the Department of Justice. a major conflict of interest. I don't believe that Congress has ever been able to use its power of the purse because we always are doing continuing resolutions and and uh, omnibuses. So I hope that regular order that the Republicans promised will actually come at, come to fruition. But there also, I think, also needs to be uh, adjustments made to the inspector general. Michael Horowitz leads a group of more than 500 people looking at the efforts of 110,000 people of the Department of Justice. But he's prohibited by law on investigating any attorneys. How is it that attorneys are exempt from the Inspector General's Act? I mean, that is absolutely crazy. They have to go through the Office of Professional Responsibility. The Office of Professional Responsibility, uh, head of that, is appointed by the Attorney General. That That is a huge conflict of interest. And I also believe that the Inspector General needs to be able to compel testimony and pursue people even after they retire. Because right now they can't yeah. do that. So there are a yeah. host of reforms. I, I'm just glad we got somebody like you, Chris Stewart, the congressman from uh, Utah's 2nd District, there in the mix of it. Because I, I, I just know in my heart of heart and having spent uh, a lot of time with you that you're the kind of uh, agent of change that can be in there to, to make the difference. And changing is, is very difficult. But, um, you know, I agree with you. Uh, Director Ray is not an, a change agent. He is there perpetuating the status quo, and we can't afford to do that anymore. He needs to get out of the way. Somebody needs to force that issue and, um, and, and make some things happen. Because you're right, the American people, they just want accountability. They, 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 they're not asking too much. They want a fair administration of justice, and they want people to be held accountable. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and the fight goes on. I mean, we can't become discouraged. Uh, yeah, we we yeah. can win. We can win some of these battles. So, uh, and you know that from again your experience as the chairman of uh, government oversight. You you were very effective, and you and you did win uh, many of those battles. So. Uh, you know, as I say to people all the time, don't get too discouraged. There's always another day we're going to keep fighting these battles for the American people. World record holder, member of Congress uh, on the House Intel Committee, on the Appropriations Committee. Congressman Chris Stewart from Utah, thank you so much for joining us today. And I remind people, dial 888-788-9910, 9910 We'll try to take some calls as we wrap up the hour. But thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy because Jimmy is going to be hosting Gutfeld tonight. Um, and excited to watch him on that. 
Uh, but I also said I really want to get after some callers, and ev- evidently we've got one, Linda, who is dialing in from France, listening to us, I guess, on the app. Linda, thanks for joining Fox Across America and France, the new edition. Oh, hey, Jason. Actually, I, I don't just listen to Fox Across the Nation. I listen to your Jason in the House as well. Oh, my my podcast, Jason. Well, now you get that's an extra star for Linda. I I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I really seriously appreciate the fact that, and I ask, thank you for serving as the former rep of Utah. Oh, well, so, there's another star. Keep going, Linda. You're on a roll. <laughs> wow. No, I actually the thing is is that um, I call in often to with Jimmy, but the thing is that I was really excited and begged to actually talk to you because all right, here's the deal. When I moved to France, I, I moved to France at the age of forty, mm-hmm. born and raised Dallas, Texas, at least six generations of Texans. I'm the only person in my family to have actually left Texas. And when I came over here, I had to prove that I had financial security. Mm-hmm. I had to give all of the birth certificate, my birth certificate, my parents' birth certificate. You wouldn't imagine what I went through just to come over, yeah, especially yeah. to be able to start working. And now, even still, I've been living here for 15 years. I've now been married to a French person of generational French. I mean, like 50 generations of French people. I mean, seriously, going all the way back. But I'm trying to get my naturalization just so I can continue to operate my business that I have here. And I still can't. Yeah. No, it's... I can provide all of the details. This is how difficult it is in Europe to actually be able to be a citizen and to be able to vote. Well, and that's the, I guess the point is that most countries, and look, in, in the United States, we, if you look at every other country in the world and you combine how much immigration they allow, the United States does more than every other country combined when we let in more than a million people into the United States. But these people are doing it legally and lawfully. And And the point, I guess, that I'm trying to make is we're failing those people because all these other people just, you know, flow through. There is no work side enforcement and it's, it's just not right. It's immoral. And it leads to a lot of bad things like human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug flow. I'm not saying all these people are bad, but they need to come in in a legal lawful way. That's what our constitution says. That's what our laws say, but that's not what Biden and Harris are doing. Linda, Thanks for calling us. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Almost Jimmy Fallon. Actually, it's Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy's going to be hosting Gutfeld tonight, so that'll be fun. Um, And, uh, you know, Jimmy, you listen to the show because of Jimmy. So hang in there with us, though, because as I like to say in my podcast, I have a podcast called Jason in the House. There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And we got plenty to talk about this hour. We got Miranda Devine. She's going to join us in just one moment. And uh, we're going to have a great discussion about a whole lot of things. So let's just get after it. Bring on Miranda Devine, Fox News contributor, New York Post columnist. 
Uh, Miranda, thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you, Jason. All right. I, I love reading what you write. You write about good, fun, interesting stuff. And you know what? I can tell you're having a lot of fun with this stuff because it just, like, exudes out of your, your writing. Um, and I have, I'm so glad that you took on and kind of have started the process of exposing this Dan Goldman. You wrote about it uh, on the New York Post uh, and the craziness of his politics. He's a representative from New York's 10th Congressional District. But why did he catch your eye and, and tell the, the listeners out there what you were writing about? Well, you know, Dan Goldman is sort of the understudy to Adam Schiff, who fancies himself as a senator. And so Dan Goldman has come on board and he's trying to emulate, um, you know, the, the guy who he says he admires tremendously than anyone else in Congress, um, living or dead. And he's uh, just, I guess, he's the Democrats' pitbull. He lies, he prevaricates, he, uh, he attacks witnesses for the most... Um, egregious reasons and uh, when you look at the things that he's defending it's Antifa it's the corruption and politicisation of the FBI and the CIA he's so sort of, because he's just new I guess, he is um, you can see it's sort of nakedly there what the power game is and of course, I mean listeners might remember him as the sort of oily uh, lawyer for the Democrats during the first impeachment of Donald Trump over Ukraine. Yeah, no, no, he's he is a piece of work, and the the attitude and the, the approach that he takes into it um, is quite amazing. And I, I, I'm glad you started to to highlight this because um, there's some other issues though with him, right? That I mean, really should get the <laughs> attention of the ethics department. You, you mean this well, thing? Yeah, he made yeah. 500 trades during his first months on the job. I mean, if you're going to go into Congress, I'm sorry, you're going to have to give up your trading of stocks based on information that you may have gleaned. You can't do that. Uh, well, exactly. Not that he's Robinson Crusoe. Remember, Nancy Pelosi uh, <laughs> and even people on the Republican side have enriched themselves vastly during their periods in Congress. But, yeah, Dan Goldman, the heir to the Levi Strauss fortune, He's worth gazillions as it is, and somehow he has this magic Midas touch. As soon as he gets into Congress five months ago, four months ago, and, uh, and, and makes these trades that are suspiciously um, lucky. Let's, let's put it that way, very lucky. And, I mean, that, that was why the, the reason I wrote about him today was because um, he was completely annihilated by a journalist called Julio Rosa, who is one of the few very brave journalists who waded into the riots of summer of 2020 and uh, very violent Antifa BLM riots. And um, he video recorded the, the mayhem there and the crimes that were being committed by Antifa. These people dressed all in black with backpacks and weapons and throwing IEDs at federal courthouses. Uh, Molotov cocktails at cops, uh, vandalizing did $2 billion worth of damage. And if it weren't for Julio Rosas and a, a couple of others who did that, the Democrats would get away with their gaslighting of the American public now saying, oh, those riots, they were nothing. January 6th is the worst 
attack on our democracy. Uh, you know, this, well, I don't know right, what right. they say. It's worse than 9-11, you know, worse than Pearl Harbor. I don't know, the worst in history. And yet, if you lived through the riots of 2020, wherever you were, Minneapolis, Kenosha, New York, um, you know that they were terrifying. Arson, vandalism. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, Julio Rosas gets called to the weaponization committee that Jim Jordan has. Um, in the Judiciary Committee, and uh, he testifies. And Dan Goldman, as he always does, he attacks the Republican witnesses in the most vile and dishonest way. And in this case, he was just sneering at Rosas and saying, oh, I guess you know more than the FBI director. Well, well who are you? A, a senior writer at Town Hall. Wow, you know, as if he's just such a nobody that he can't report what he's saw with his own eyes and he, and he heard. And so um, Rosas just came back with the most spectacular come down. And one of the things he said was, it was kind of hilarious to be lectured by this guy who um, is uh, has impossibly lucky stock portfolio. Right. Yeah. All right. I want to switch gears with you a little bit in it. And um, I want to talk about this Prince Harry and Meghan Markle chase yes. nearly catastrophic high-speed car chase you couldn't go fast in new york city if you wanted to but you're there in new york tell us what should we know about this well i think it's actually quite wonderful because it the story is so implausible and nobody believes it and everybody has come out from the nypd even eric adams says I find it very hard to believe you could have a two-hour high-speed car chase in Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody believes it. It's ridiculous. It didn't happen. There's no video to show it happened. Um, they're just making it up as usual. But it's good because they chose the worst possible place to to stage this sort of drama because anyone who knows anything about living in New York City knows that the traffic is gridlocked, um, that there are celebrities everywhere. There are more cameras per square inch than anywhere else on planet Earth. Um, you know, celebrities, you, you cannot walk down the street without seeing a real celebrity, and no one cares. Yeah, they say, so, oh, look, there's a, I saw Paul Schaefer, remember, from the, uh, you know, David Letterman, and it's just like nobody was paying attention. Nobody cared. They're just like, eh, yeah, it's Paul Schaefer. Next. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, Two hours. Now, it may have taken two hours to get across the city, and that's why oftentimes it's faster to walk than it is. <laughs> I, I went to a hotel. I was staying at a hotel because I was going in for Fox. It was near midnight, and it was just in a weekday. The traffic was so bad that I literally, <laughs> from, from the car that was bringing me in, I got out and walked the last two blocks. Yes. Exactly. So, um, I, mean, I mean, the reason it took two hours or one and a half hours was because they insisted on driving around and around. I mean, they, they, they were in, I think, West 55th Street. They had, you know, a very short drive to the Upper East Side to get to their accommodation. And instead of just going there, they would have been there in 10 minutes. They decided that they would just drive round and round and round, creating a drama. Um, and, of course, that's what they wanted because no one even cared that they were here. No one noticed that Meghan Markle was getting some sort of award. Um, but now they're on the front page. Yeah. It, for, for people who say that we don't want any attention. 
We don't want any attention. Yeah, that that's exactly what they do want. Um, uh, Miranda, last thing I want to ask you about here is uh, uh, your now that we've digested a little bit, we've been talking about the Durham report. What are your thoughts and fallout of what's going to happen? Because, you know, not everything can be prosecuted. I don't like that there's no consequence to some of these people who are given these awesome invasive police powers. But the political bent there is just obvious. And But w- what's your take and your read on where we go from here? Look, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I just, you know, my feeling is that Christopher Ray, in particular, um, is a disgrace. If he had any uh, an, an ounce of um, humility, he would be completely ashamed right now. He has done nothing to arrest the rot that uh, started or didn't start, but really culminated under James Comey. Um, he says, you know, the, the attitude of the FBI to the Durham report was this just snide, smug little statement saying, oh, we've already corrected, you know, we've issued trainings. Right, and right. that is a joke. That is just such a joke. No humility, no mea culpa, no apology to the American people, no... Uh, you know, vow to clean out this politicised, corrupt culture that they have. Um, it will take a lot more than just changing the person at the top of the FBI, unfortunately. And when you when you see the hearings this morning at the, um, again, the subcommittee on uh, weaponisation of federal government, and you saw those three brave whistleblowers, um, you know, testifying there, Garrett O'Boyle and Kyle Serafin, um, you know, Garrett O'Boyle is a um, is is a is a military veteran. He was a police officer and then an FBI special agent, and he was the one who told us about who did the right thing and told us about how the FBI was going after parents at school board meetings. He was that whistleblower, and he's now come forward today uh, and and been revealed as as being that person. He's been. Um, you know, suspended from the FBI without pay. Um, he's uh, out of a home. He's, he's, his family's been treated appallingly. Um, and this is the retaliation against whistleblowers from the FBI. And it's, they do it deliberately to, to be a deterrent to others who want to call out the wrongdoing in that place. But I think, you know, America won't heal until the FBI and the DOJ are clean and start applying the law without fear or favor, without political um, sort yeah. of Yeah, no, that's bias. Abs- absolutely right. There's deep systemic problems there, and it needs to be cleaned up. And you got, and the only way to do that is got to clean it out. So um, Miranda and, Devine. And people have to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. People need to be held accountable. At least lose yeah. their security clearance at the very least. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fox News contributor, New York Post columnist, uh, Miranda Devine. Thank you for joining us on Fox Across America. We'll be right back. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, I'm Jason Javits, uh, filling in for Jimmy. And uh, I got to tell you, we, we got a lot of stuff we still need to talk about today. I want to go to Cut 12. This is... Ann Williamson, Williams Isom. She's the deputy mayor for health and human services in New York City. 
We are at a breaking point. We've been saying it, and I know that people think that it's not true. And so we really need help from others in order to get this done. We have said that everyone is going to be affected, all New Yorkers, all of our services. And so we really want to make sure that we're having places that are appropriate for people. The school the school was always going to be a, what we've called a respite site, short term. Right. They were always going to use the school for migrant housing. Right. That was always the plan. Um, well, I want to bring on uh, Joe Pinion. He's the former U.S. Senate candidate in New York. Uh, in New York, uh, Joe, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Uh, you're a New Yorker. Um, what in the world is going on in New York City? Because you know what? They're getting a fraction, just a little tiny fraction of the people that are coming to this country illegally. And yet they're crying, yelling, screaming and complaining about what they asked for, which was to be a sanctuary city in a sanctuary state. Well, look, I I think this is par for the course with the people on the far left. It is very easy uh, to be uh, for everybody getting anything they want, anytime they want, just as long as you are not personally responsible uh, for covering the cost. And so the same Democrats that told us that the border crisis was a Republican talking point, uh, the same people that ignored the reality of the fentanyl that was streaming into this country at levels high enough to kill every man, woman, and child that calls this nation home every single month, uh, suddenly uh, that very real crisis has come to a town near you here in New York City, uh, where, again, we don't have the resources to care for these individuals. Uh, Yes, there are individuals that need to be given dignity, but that dignity should not supersede our responsibility to the safety and security of the people that call New York City home, starting with the sacrosanct nature of our children. And so if we know that it's very difficult for parents sometimes to even get on school ground, because we're so concerned with the safety of our children in a world where school shootings are real, in a world where child abuse is at levels we have never seen before, then why in the world would you give people who we have no idea who they are or what their state of mind is access uh, to that precious landscape, uh, the places where our children go every single day? Yeah, and there's such a priority given to people who came here illegally as opposed to, say, maybe our veterans you know, we got a homeless problem for our veterans and uh, mental health issues with our veterans. And yet I read and hear stories about veterans being put out on the street in favor of somebody who came here illegally. If you really think about it, it's shameful that people that raised their hands uh, to serve on behalf of a grateful nation find themselves uh, living on the streets of that nation they helped ensure uh, uh, continues to exist. And so you juxtapose that with what happens in public housing here in New York City, where, as I've said many times, we are $40 billion behind on regular repairs uh, to the people that call public housing in New York City home, over half a million New Yorkers. So uh, we have veterans that are in need of help and assistance. We have everyday New Yorkers who have lived there their whole lives uh, with lead in the drinking water, with arsenic in the drinking water. And yet the priority remains individuals that have been here for less than a week because they are trying to change America into something it was never intended to be, a safe space and a dumping ground for the world's problems. You have to say not on our watch, not at this time. Look, Mayor Adams, when he first got into office, took a position that he thought uh, people that are here illegally should be able to vote. Um, And in the policies of being a sanctuary city and state, they they didn't think that people were going to pay attention to that. That wasn't going to be a magnet. 
All right, let me transition because we, 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 we have to take a break here before the end of the hour or at the end of the half hour. I want to talk about the problems on the subway because this case will continue to get a lot of a lot of attention. What is your take on what happened with Jordan Neely and the chokehold death? Um, and, you know, a lot of people look at Daniel Penny as the hero for saving people on that on that subway. Well, look, I think you have to look no further than the $2 million in counting that was raised on his behalf to recognize that most Americans of common sense realize that when you create an environment where the needs of the criminal have been elevated over the safety and security of the common man, uh, our first reaction should not be to castigate those who step up to try and fill that void. So I think we have to have the real conversation about was the length of time the force was applied reasonable. Uh, That is how our justice system works. But what is unreasonable is for members of Congress, the AOCs of the world, the Cory Bushes of the world, to inflame an already divided society by yelling that we had a lynching on a New York City subway when there is no indication there is anything in the background of this man who, again, raised his hand and served his country uh, with dignity, uh, that he has some type of racial animus in his spirit. So yeah, I think that is the unfortunate reality that we face right now. The fact that New York City yeah. has been left barren because of defund the police and because people like uh, Mr. Penny have Joe been forced Pinion, to be placed in an unforced situation. Former U.S. Senate candidate Joe, sorry to cut you off, but we're at the end of our time. We'll be at a commercial. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy, who is going to be guest hosting tonight for Gutfeld. He's going to be leading the band. They gave him the keys to the kingdom. Jimmy Failure will be actually hosting Gutfeld tonight. You're going to want to watch that. Um, hope you all have a chance to check out my podcast, Jason in the House. Uh, this week, my guest was is the Inspector General for the Department of Justice, Michael Horowitz, who I worked with while I was in Congress uh, but he leads that group, and, and it's a fascinating interview about what they can and cannot do there uh, at the Department of Justice. Also, I uh, want to give you the number here. We're going to try try to get it to a call before the end of the hour. Uh, the number at Fox Across America, 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. Hope you can uh, try to dial in. If you can, we'll try to get to your call. But now we're uh, thrilled, honored to have the uh, Attorney General from the great state of Florida, Ashley Moody, who's joining us. General, thanks for joining us. Oh, great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, do you like that title, General? Does that make sense? Like when (laughs) somebody says, hey, General, do you turn around? You know, only because that is how everyone refers to me now. I do respond, (laughs) although I was a judge for over a decade before I became the attorney general. And it doesn't feel quite, you know, I haven't kind of moved on from (laughs) judge to general. So, you know, I know that that is the standard thing that everybody uses. So I answer. Of course, you know, I answer to anything. Well, (laughs) that's. You're, you're very you're very humble in your approach to that. I, I sometimes I you know our, our attorney general that I interact with sometimes from Utah I would call general and they'd say oh no you're saying it wrong and like no that's that's actually the way you that's the salutation for you know addressing uh, an attorney general. So well, um, but know, nevertheless. It's funny you bring that up because, you know, the oldest boy in our family is in the Army, and we have such great respect for those 
uh, in the military and our generals. Uh, so when I'm with a, a general that has earned that title through the ranks of service and right. sometimes deployment and duty, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly humbled uh, by that term because, uh, you know, those folks that sign up to, to serve our country certainly deserve so much honor and respect. And, and I always tell them, I, I haven't earned this title like you, sir, or she, or, or ma'am. Well, that's very sweet of you because, you know, as a former member of Congress, the they call us the honorable. And I just like, have you met my colleagues? Like, have you met the members of Congress? I don't know that maybe we should revisit that. Um, but again, I digress. Let's get back on and talk about some news of the day, because uh, as I like to say on my podcast, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And uh, earlier in this hour, we were talking a lot about illegal immigration, particularly the complaints that are coming out of New York City from Mayor Adams about the the swell of uh, illegal immigrants that's filling that city. But, you know, they really did ask for it. Their sanctuary state, their sanctuary city, um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, you know, opened up the border, invited people in, and they've come by the millions. And now we're all having to deal with the consequences. Well, right. I mean, I think it's it's unique that New York is now, you know, throwing up their hands. They're saying they're in an emergency, a crisis. You know, Florida and Texas, and, and I, I shouldn't limit that to those two states. Many of these other states have been dealing with this since the Biden administration in month one started breaking down the border and letting in folks in mass. Yeah. And, and you know, we when we first sent uh, assets to the border uh, from law enforcement, they immediately reported back and said, hey, we're talking to these people that we're encountering. And by the way, we're not encountering most of these people. And most of them are just getting away and coming in. We have no idea who they are. And they said seven out of 10, and this was uh, when, when Governor DeSantis and I first visited the border, they said seven out of 10 say they're headed to Florida. And, you know, look, Florida is, a, is an incredibly diverse state. We value that we have legal immigration and that we know who's here and want to contribute to our very successful state. And we need we do need immigration in our in our country. But, you know, we have we immediately saw the aspects of that. You know, some of these folks, even those that Biden were were illegally pushing around the state. Um, we had murders. We had people firing at officers. Uh, they stopped deporting people that were here uh, illegally committing crimes. And then when my office uncovered that they had started to make up new policies and violation of the law to release people in mass into the interior, we finally brought suit. And thankfully, a court agreed with us and said, yeah, this is illegal. You can't do this. And by the way, because you have been breaking down the immigration system, we're now seeing immigration at numbers we've never seen before under any Republican or Democratic administration. So, you know, it, it's an incredible burden on the taxpayers and the law-abiding citizens that people have come here lawfully uh, to any state. And, you know, New York is just feeling the pain now, but most states have been feeling this all along and certainly incredibly um, have, have been challenged since Biden got in office and opened up our country. Well, but if you listen to the Florida Congresswoman, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, um, she thinks this is all well and fine because 
without all these people that are coming here illegally, you know, we wouldn't be able to to pick the lettuce and, you know, pick the pick the oranges. And, you know, we need a bunch of illegal uh, immigrants here to do this type of work. Let's go to cut 16 and listen to her in her own words. When uh, Arizona did the same to uh, to their immigrants in their in their state, he's going to devastate our economy, tourism, construction, agriculture. I mean, you're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields. You're going to have construction sites that will lie dormant uh, or certainly will struggle to get workers to be able to, uh, to, to to help make sure that they can make progress. The tourism, is it, tourism and restaurant industry in particular, you know, rely on the, on these workers. What, what are your thoughts of that? Having this is the congresswoman from Florida. Well, that is why we have legal immigration and there are processes for folks to legally come here that are vetted, that want to work. And there are ways that businesses can can help uh, facilitate and 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 make sure that they are using those that are here legally. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that there is a lot more work involved in processing and vetting and ensuring people that are coming to our nation are doing so to be a positive, contributing person to our country. The real concern is when you have these uh, radical agendas to just open up the border, let whoever they want in, you know, this doesn't happen in other countries. They actually control their border. They know who's coming in. They know yeah. who's going to be a threat. But what we have now is handlers of Joe Biden who have a radical rogue agenda to let anyone and everyone into this nation. And you saw the numbers. We watched them closely here in Florida. The people that they were encountering, the number of those with prior homicide offenses went up. The number with prior drug offenses went up. We know that the cartels are making making millions and millions of dollars. And we know that the transnational criminal organizations are working with people in the United States uh, to commit crimes and make money. And, you yeah, know, many I mean, the, of the people, go the ahead, hu- sorry. The human trafficking, the fentanyl, the, the sex trafficking that's going on, these unaccompanied minors, it's just unconscionable. I, I, I listened to that thing from Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And look, I know that there are people that come from more than 150, 150 different countries around the world. This is not just Mexico's in Central America or South America. Um, but I also took it as as fairly, that's a fairly racist um, comment that she made. At least that's the way I took it. I don't know if that's what you did, but I looked, I thought, yeah, really? That's what you think? That these people that are coming across the border are just here to do the, the menial jobs, like the, the hard working, and they're tough, right? You work in those fields, holy cow, that is a tough, tough job. But you think that that's justifiable because we need cheap labor to pick lettuce? I think that that was typical radical spin to try and justify ignoring the law and undermining the security of this nation. This is exactly what is happening in our large cities around the nation. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it criminal justice reform, give it a nice name, make people think it's about treating everyone fairly. That is not what it's about. They have executive prosecutors, even Biden, 
even Alvin Bragg, I can go on and on and on, Fox out of Chicago that ignore the law, and then they want to put a fancy title on it or a feel-good title to, to disguise the fact they just don't want to enforce certain laws that are there for a reason, for the security of our nation, for the security of our big cities, for our states. And that's not how our country was set up to work. That's not how our states were set up to work. We have government by and for the people that operate under a rule of law, not under which laws these radical politicians choose that they're going to enforce. And so the same thing that you are seeing in chaos and and undermining the stability of cities is exactly what's happening at the border. It's people that don't want to enforce the laws that are there for a reason, and they're going to slap any kind of narrative or spin or label on it to try and get around the fact that they're not living up to the oath that they took. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, you hear Democrats often say, well, we need comprehensive immigration reform. Of course, when they had the House and Senate and the presidency, they didn't do that. Now that Republicans at least control the House of Representatives, oh, we have to have comprehensive immigration reform. No, we don't. We need to actually it's, just enforce the law got, that's currently on the, books. Laws on the books. Yeah. I mean, heck, I wish you worked with me in our office. We argue constantly, and we did in these successful suits. Enforce the law. Hey, Joe Biden, we wouldn't be in this crisis if you wouldn't have gotten in office and immediately stopped enforcing the laws and asking Congress for less money and less detention capacity. They literally went out and said they had everything under control while they were breaking everything down. Follow yeah. the laws on the book. It's not that hard to understand. That's what you signed up to do. And if you don't want to do the hard work, then get out of office. I know. And this is where it's amazing to me from the vice president, who is supposed to have this in her portfolio, uh, Kamala Harris. And then you also have the the head of Homeland Security, Al, Al, you know, Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas. There is not a Border Patrol agent in this country that believes that they're allowed to do the job that they were assigned to do. They just... You know, and for Kamala Harris not to sit down with the Border Patrol unions, it's when did Democrats not like unions? And yet they won't sit down with Brandon Judd and go through the details uh, and have never been held to account by the media. Look, I could go on and on with you. Um, we need to take a break here on this show. I want to remind people to dial 888-788-9910, and we'll try to get to your, a question or two. But uh, we've been talking with the Florida Attorney General, Ashley Moody, um, General Moody. Uh, really do appreciate you taking time and sharing some thoughts here on Fox Across America. Do appreciate it. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Hey, it's Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. And as we said, we were trying to take a couple calls. Let's go first to Blackfoot, Idaho. Brandon, what's on your mind? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Brandon. What's happening? That's good. Hey, uh, so this border control is, you know, out of control and stuff. And, you know, the current president can't even keep uh, the border in control right now. And actually speaking with that uh there's actually a major drug problem here in idaho that comes yeah. with this fentanyl deal 
And, you know, every time I turn on the news, you know, a person just got arrested for fentanyl. And it's like night after night. And it's like, when are they going to realize they're just letting in people with uh, fentanyl, drugs, and illegal substance and not really focusing on the big ideal? Yeah, look, more than 90% of the problem is is it's flowing north through Mexico. A lot of the precursors coming out of China. And look, I think it's a choice. I think uh, Biden and Harris have made a conscious decision not to enforce the laws on our border. And it should be a bigger issue. More people should be paying attention to it. There's a lot of negativity that comes from it, from human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, Brandon, as you, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, there are people that, are just trying to better their lives, but that doesn't qualify them for the asylum. If they want to do that, then apply like everybody else, get in line. And we legally lawfully bring in more than a million people every year, more than all the other countries combined and what they do, we do in the United States. And that's where we're failing people. So it's a great point. Love Blackfoot. I've actually been to Blackfoot. So Blackfoot, Idaho, beautiful place. Uh, Thanks for calling us, Brandon. I want to move now to Florida. We have Wally. Wally, what's on your mind? Jason, uh, just with this latest FBI abuse of power, is there any opening for a movement to make the leadership positions of all the large bureaucracies that have a lot of power over our constitutional rights? Can we make the leadership positions something we can vote on? Um, you know, we are a republic, and we, we do so for a reason. I mean, the, the, the process of the Senate confirmation is one that I don't think is fully executed to, it, to, to, the, to the degree that it should. Under advice and consent within the Constitution, the United States Senate has the same um, voice as the president does. Now, the Senate can't nominate somebody, but if the president nominates somebody, it has to have the concurrence of the Senate. What the Senate doesn't do and routinely fails to do is they have the same duty, obligation, and opportunity to dismiss that person through impeachment. Now, it's a difficult high bar. Jason, Jason, every municipality, the people get to vote for the mosquito control. So why can't we just, since we're seeing repeated problems, uh, why can't we take this up as something that just means put to the people? I'd have to look at it again, um, but it's something. The president has, I think, north of forty-five hundred appointments that he gets to to make. Um, the number is pretty astronomical, and maybe a case could be made to say, "Oh, well, cabinet secretaries. You know, they, we have to vote for them on individuals, you know, of which there's twenty something. You know, uh, those. But again, I I would argue we're a republic. We're not a democracy." And there is a process to go to go through that. But if we're not willing to dismiss people as easily as we are to putting them into place, then there's not the consequence. And and, you know, I went through this when I tried to dismiss um, and hold accountable. And, uh, you know, after Lois Lerner and that whole thing, uh, John Koskinen, the IRS commissioner and, you know, to, to members of Congress just look at me with their eyes glazed over like, what? We're going to, we're going to impeach an IRS commissioner. Yeah. If they don't do their job. If they're breaking the law, if they lie to Congress, destroy evidence. It was under subpoena. Yeah. We probably should impeach him, but we didn't. 
Uh, Wally, appreciate it. I uh, hope you're having a good day in Florida. Thank you all for, for joining us on Fox Across America. Jimmy Failure tonight on Gutfeld. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.